Welcome to the podcast, Your Content Connection, Modern Content Migration Strategies for Microsoft 365. We have a great podcast session today as Jeff Willinger and Antonio Mayo, both globally known Microsoft MVPs, SharePoint experts, and overall industry rock stars discuss industry insights, predictions, some warnings, and their overall outlook on the future of work. Let's dive right into today's podcast and thank you for listening. Hey everyone, this is Jeff Willinger with Zillio, Managing Director. Super excited today to have, uh, gosh, Antonio, I don't even know how long we've known each other. Uh, Antonio uh, Mayo, um, uh, all the way from Canada. I'm here in Southern California, former New Yorker. I just happen to be wearing a Yankees hat today. The Yankees are playing in their playoff game tonight uh, against the dreaded Red Sox. And Antonio and I know each other through the whole SharePoint world. SharePoint Saturday, the different SharePoint conferences, and uh, we have so much to catch up on, Antonio. But before we sort of get into uh, the nuts and bolts and sort of the good stuff on the future of work, tell everyone what you've been up to, um, and uh, we'll start there. Sure. So great to see you, Jeff. Thanks for having me on your podcast, um, and very happy to be here. Um, like you said, we've known each other for a while from the SharePoint community from the MVP community, from events and so on that we've both spoken at. So good to catch up with you. Um, as you've said, um, uh, I'm, uh, um, uh, I'm a, well, you didn't have to say it, but I'm a director with Protivity. So Protivity is a global consulting firm that I work at, and I'm a director there. Uh, and as you mentioned, I'm in Canada. Um, I lead the technology consulting team across Canada. Um, I've been a, an MVP for 10 years, uh, originally in SharePoint, and then Office 365, and now I think they call us Office Apps and Services. So essentially, my focus is the M365 platform. Uh, within that platform, the areas that I personally specialize in are things like security, um, information governance, compliance, identity management. These are the areas that I like to play in that, that interest me. So um, in, in terms of running the technology consulting practice at Protivity in Canada, um, I have a fairly high-level role in that I lead a team of very skilled professionals in this space, uh, but I do like to get very hands-on and technical in those areas that I mentioned. So great to be here. Thanks, Antonio. You know, uh, we're, we're I, I don't know for sure if we're coming out of the COVID crisis in 2020. Uh, there have been so many disruptions caused by it. I know that we're thinking about, you know, you hear the term new normal. I don't know what the new normal is going to be like. I know everyone is waiting to go back, not necessarily to the office, because I've always worked remote um, or for a very long time I've worked remote, but looking to get back on course, right? And think about what is this future of work look like, right? Uh, and if you think about the past year, obviously, there are a lot of holes, you know, there, there are a lot of companies that were slow to move, almost like the Titanic, you know, changing the Titanic very, very hard. So thinking about the way we do work, this change management, um, you know, it, it's very tempting, I'm sure, for organizations to retreat, you know, back into, you know, what brought them there. But what brought us here is not necessarily what's going to get us to the future. Um, what, what have you seen on that? So it's an interesting question, right? Like the, 
the future of work and remote work. Like some companies have embraced remote work, right? And they've said, we're going to allow people to work remote going forward as much as they want because they've seen that it's possible and they've seen that it's practical. And, and like you, I've been working remotely for, um, I'll say now, since I joined Protivity about seven and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, now, uh, with Protivity, I started with Protivity, as I mentioned to you, in Dallas, Texas, where I used to live. Um, love the Dallas area. I'm living in Canada for various family reasons. But uh, while living in Dallas, I did report to the Dallas office, and I went into the Dallas office regularly. But at the same time, all the people that I worked with that were on the team that did Microsoft Consulting um, were either in Chicago or Virginia or Atlanta or in Seattle. So everyone I worked with was remote anyway. So whether I was in the office or whether I was working from home, I was on calls like this, working with clients or with people in many different cities and states, um, even back in Canada at the time. Um, So I've been working remotely for a long time. I know that it can work. But I know a lot of people are looking to go back into an office in part because of, I think, the um, the uh, the routine that it gives to people. Right. The getting up in the morning, getting cleaned up, getting ready, getting well dressed, the commute into the office, the breaks from from your desk. Um, There's a lot of people that kind of live off of that routine and it helps to structure their days. And I know a number of people who don't have that structure anymore, and that's been difficult to deal with. So I think that's one change that has not necessarily been positive for people, uh, at least for some people. I think that's been hard. Um, and then for others, um, we've gotten into a mode where we're, I don't know about you, but I'm in meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting, back-to-back meetings all day long. And it comes to a point where, okay, when do I get to actually do my work? Or when I, my worst was one day I had 16 meetings in a day, and it was just It was brutal because you're context switching all the time. And through those meetings, you're collecting action items. And by the end of the day, your brain is full and you're trying to write down your action items throughout the day. And your note-taking ability kind of degrades the more meetings you get to just because you get tired. So I think one thing that's been challenging with people in working remotely is this back-to-back meetings and always being available for meetings. And I think people need to consciously find a way to get out of that mode and make time for dedicated work. So Absolutely. rough on one hand is rough. On the other hand, though, it forces people to um, focus their days and build in time to do work or build in time to answer emails. Um, you know, I, I saw a really interesting post from a good friend of ours, um, Erica. Um, on Twitter just a week or two ago where she mentioned, I do email one hour in the morning, do email one hour in the afternoon, something like that. You know, setting aside an hour in the morning, hour in the afternoon to do email and being religious about it and then not doing email the rest of the day throughout that. And I just thought that was really interesting, right? It's a really interesting way to approach email where it's like email interrupts us all the time. So finding a way to focus that time so that I can get other better focus time I just thought that was a great tactic. And all that to say, I think this working remotely has surfaced these kinds of issues that people will still need to work through. Um, yep. I think a lot of us are going to continue to work remote. Uh, my challenge with working remotely has been the rest of the world is also working remotely. And I think that has driven this just so many more meetings happening all the time. So I'm hoping we get back to just more focused work. You and I both. Uh, One of my favorite little meeting hacks, if you will, 
is starting the, although we didn't do it for this meeting because I knew I would want to take as much time with you as possible. Um, we didn't, uh, uh, I start meeting sometimes five or 10 minutes past the hour or past the half hour. Yeah. Um, it makes you more conscious of, you know, getting your stuff done in 20 minutes or 50 minutes, but it also gives the person that's coming out of a meeting a little break before they hop on another call. Yeah, I've noticed Microsoft people that are booking meetings with me doing exactly that. And it's 100%. Really, I'm like, why are we starting at 3.05? And then it's like, oh, okay, that that's great. It's, oh, it's I didn't even I, I didn't even think about it. I just thought, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. I yeah. love it. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, uh, when I think about this past year, uh, in the moment of truth, if you will, right, technology has really gotten us through uh, it's really gotten us through the pandemic and it really confines, you know, redefines how we do work, how we interact. I think about yesterday uh, when there was no Facebook and no Instagram or WhatsApp. I know. And I think about, you know, what would the world be like if there was no Facebook or, uh, or Instagram? I, I would say for me anyway, I would have an hour. I, I don't know if I spend an hour a day on it, but you know, I would say at least 30 minutes, you know, at least Monday through Friday uh, yeah. on on those. Um, I don't know. I'd probably spend more time on LinkedIn, although I'm on LinkedIn every day, too. I don't know. Uh, what, what do you think? Did it affect you at all, Antonio? No, because and I'll apologize in advance to all my friends on Facebook. I intentionally um, stopped checking Facebook. I don't know, maybe six months ago, something like that earlier this year, just because I noticed I was spending so much time checking it. Um, and it, it becomes, at least for me, not for everybody, but for me, it became a, a difficult habit of checking it um, a little too often. It kind of became my break multiple times a day. Um, and I find Facebook, you either see people complaining about, at least people that I, I'm, and so no offense to anybody, but I no, 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 think about something adamantly or talking about how wonderful their lives are. And it's like, okay, this is a little, it just became a bit much for me. Um, so I intentionally dropped out of Facebook. So it didn't affect me at all, but I was amazed at the impact, right? Like Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp were down globally for what, six hours, something like that? Um, six to eight hours, I can't, I'm not sure the exact time, but, Think of the billions of people that are on those platforms. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not only that that people's social media was down. It's the company of Facebook. Their email is on Facebook.com, right? Like, like that's the DN, that's their, their domain. Oh, they had no, no, no communication. Zero. They couldn't badge into the buildings. Like, it was, it was ter terrible for them. So, yeah. um, you know, I don't want to revel in the misfortune of others, but... You know, it was a tough thing for for the that company or those companies. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that um, there are a personal opinion here. Too many social media outlets, right? Like what I found when I used to be on many of these was by the time I checked Twitter and I checked Facebook and I checked LinkedIn and I checked Instagram and I checked WhatsApp and I checked my email and I checked Teams chat. It's like, oh my, I have all these millions of places to check. It's like, okay, I also have meetings to do and I also have work to do. It's, it just it just became too much. 
So I've really kind of focused my social media primarily to Twitter. I occasionally check LinkedIn, but I'm on LinkedIn more from a career standpoint. And I've kind of stepped back from Facebook just because it became too much for me. Um, yeah, I, I would say uh, I, I'd like to be able to people to get a hold of me. So the Facebook Messenger app, uh, I, I talk to people on that almost every day. Right. Um, I'm in, I like Instagram because I just want to see pictures. That's it. Pictures. If someone has an opinion, you don't really, you know, it's not like it's not like Facebook where it's really a big thing. It's very easy to digest, right? We want those nice, easy, digestible snippets right. to, you know, to waste our time with. That's why TikTok really took off. Right. But if you think about it, yeah, email to me is my number one. I'm on email more than anything. I would okay. say LinkedIn, Instagram. I've been slacking on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I tweeted yesterday for the first time, hey, you know, because Facebook was down. Yeah. And, and I take one thing back. I do check Facebook Messenger. There is a few uh, uh, people that I communicate with on Facebook Messengers because that's how they initiated communications with me. So it's just an easy way to reply. Just continuing. Yeah. Instead of texting. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I find it funny, though, when I talk to my kids, right? I have two teenage kids, one's 17 and one's 15. Um, they're not on Facebook. They don't want Facebook. They they say Facebook is for old people. I'm like, wow, I never would have expected that. Um, they're a little bit on Instagram, but even Instagram, they've kind of stepped back from. Um, so it was interesting to see that dynamic. I, I think there is perhaps a shelf life to some of these social media platforms. Right. They mostly text with people. Yeah. Yeah. Texting is definitely, uh, you know, a big thing that they do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm of two minds of social media. I, I think it's good for staying up to date with contacts, with people, with friends. I find it very difficult, though, to find to get anything authoritative on those. Right. Like I try to avoid um reading real news on any of those platforms because you know a lot of people who post stuff kind of position it as an authoritative source or some article they saw somewhere that the and it's hard to know um the authenticity of what you're reading sometimes so i find you need to be fairly astute in being able to distinguish what is just somebody rambling versus real news you know, Antonio, uh, when I think about what you're doing in Canada, and obviously you're working with Zillio on a couple of different projects, yeah, I would think that for you, creating a, a, a new culture of working has got to be a little bit of a challenge. I mean, has is your entire team? I, I know Pertivity has got offices all over. Zillio has no offices here in the U.S. and uh, in Canada, but T tell me a few things. What are some things that you're doing to sort of create a, a great culture of collaboration, um, that type of thing? Sure. So that's a great question, actually. Um, if you were to ask some of my team members some, that question, I think they would say that I'm an old fogey and that um, uh, they wished I would change more of the communication and collaboration habits. But <laughs> before we get into that, um, so... Every time we start up a project at Protivity, we create a team and we manage that project within Microsoft Teams, right? Within a team. And that helps us to, I'll say, compartmentalize the information and manage the information that we're storing 
uh, for a project, as well as focus communications around that project, right? So that's a common, I'll say modern workplace artifact. And, and we definitely do that on our team, on, on our Canadian team at Pertivity. Um, we also have another team where we essentially, we run the practice and everyone in the team has access to that. We have various um, types of communication that we've included on there. We have um, some resource planning, um, I'll say spreadsheets and artifacts that we use for planning who's on what project and who gets allocated hours on what project. Um, we have what's called a knowledge center, which we're really is a library with all kinds of artifacts from our projects that we can reuse that we all have access to. So I think we do do a good job of um, storing our project artifacts and, and documentation and so on in teams and then managing various aspects of the project of our of our team of our practice um, and communicating that also through teams that said i still do a lot through email like you said the first thing i probably check in the morning for work is email after that is teams chat after that it's channel conversations and i find it's been more teams chat than channel conversations lately because I don't know about you, but I think I'm on 120 different teams across eight tenants, and it's impossible to check that on a daily basis, right? Like I used to have one inbox that I manage. Now I, it feels like I have 120 inboxes that I have to manage if you think of chat as, as an inbox. Yeah, yeah. So I still do email um, a lot, and I've gotten very fast at email personally over the years, right? Like I remember I was on the Microsoft Outlook beta when it was first coming out in 1998, right? So I've literally been using Outlook every day of my life, almost, for what, 22 years, I think? Yeah, um, yeah. It's hard to break that habit. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I, I, you know, again, I'll just whisper it. I love email. Exactly. Like, there's only one thing, Antonio, there's only one thing better than email. That's an email with an attachment. That's right. Yikes. Did I just say that? And I'm a SharePoint guy. Yeah, it's still the easiest way for a person, the fastest way for a person to share info. It might not be the greatest from a content management perspective, like managing versions, making no, sure- No, it's definitely the not the best, correct. It's yes. not good for that. But if I quickly have to get something to my boss, and, and I know my boss is more adept on email than these other platforms, I'm gonna pick email because it's, the more important thing is the communication. Usually, yeah, there's nothing worse than when you get a, a Teams link and then you have to re-enter your credentials. Exactly. And that's not that's not amazing. Exactly. I'm thinking in the future, three five years from now, I think that organizations, successful organizations anyway, uh, uh, will be the ones who sort of resisted the urge to get everyone to come back to the office and really rethink this workforce model for you know the new way of working if you will right um, i completely agree I, um, don't don't you hear you know oh yeah we're back in the office we're not back in the office i mean i don't know uh, a little bit i have i have heard very few organizations have just fully gone back to offices and are not allowing people to re work remotely anymore um, i think some are providing offices and are encouraging people to sometimes comes into the office but a lot are, and I hope this is not just a, um, a short-term trend, but a lot are also today allowing people to um, work remotely, at least some of the time, um, those that are moving back to offices. Um, I'll say in Canada, we've been less um, 
I'll say not as quick to return back to offices as in the United States. So for example, my our offices at Protivity are still, I think, all closed. Um, we can go into offices with approvals for some client meetings. Um, some parts, some of our offices in various parts of the world are going back to offices, but in North America, it's still um, like our Canadian office isn't open yet. We're not allowed to go into it. I could request uh, access to it if I wanted to, but I'd have to go like a couple levels up for approval um, for that to happen. Yeah, so we've been, I think, in, in most parts of Canada, um, still fairly, um, you know, I want to say uh, slow is not the right word, but slow in terms of getting people back into offices. Um, I think the technology of working remotely has helped people immensely, right? Like Microsoft Teams, if nothing else, for doing online meetings like this, chat, um, being able to just share content in a central place in a really easy to use form, um, I think has helped people a lot with moving to remote work. Um, yeah. I know many of our government offices in Canada at the federal government level are not back in the office yet. They're still working remotely uh, and they probably will continue to until the new year. Uh, and mm -hmm. they've all moved to Microsoft Teams and um, for chat and channel conversations at least, um, and online meetings at least. Some have adopted Teams for collaboration as well. Um, that's one interesting thing. When you see how organizations are rolling out Microsoft Teams, they're often using what we have often said is a crawl, walk, run approach, right? Crawl is, okay, let's roll out Teams for online meetings and for chat, and that's it to start. And then next, they will roll it up for collaboration. Okay, so let's let people start to create Teams a team and collaborate within there. And some will allow self-service team creation, some will not. And then after that, then it's more advanced capabilities, let's say around voice and so on. Some choose to do voice in the, um, uh, the crawl phase. They, they go to voice first, often because it coincides with um, their current voice technologies needing to renegotiate that, right? So they take that opportunity to move to voice first. So. There's these different ways that people are moving to teams. And I think that has really impacted how people work remotely like this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So we we at Protivity are fully on M365, the entire company. And remember, Protivity is about 7,000 people. We're on we're we're a wholly owned subscription of Robert Half. And I think collectively, Robert Half and Protivity were about 21,000 employees. We're all in one big M365 tenant. So we are all in teams all day, every day, but we're also in email as well. Yeah, I totally uh, forgot that you guys were part of Robert Half. Yeah, yeah. So they're our parent company and we work closely with them. Like they're one of the world's largest staffing companies. So that kind of helps us in that when we need to ramp up staff on projects or ramp down staff quickly, we can rely on Robert Half from a um, uh, you know subject matter expert staffing perspective or a temporary staffing perspective. We'll, we'll do that often. Um, what do you see uh, uh, future of conferences, right? We used to speak at conferences, attend conferences. I know we've, uh, I'm going to a couple coming up that were originally going to be this past few months, and then they pushed them. It starts in December for me uh, in Las Vegas with the collaborate, SharePoint Collaboration Conference. Yeah. And right after that is the SharePoint Fest, SharePoint Fest in Washington, D.C., a government one. That's, right. That's literally the second week in December. 
Yeah. And then in January, uh, in Dallas, I don't know. What, what do you uh, what do you think of that? So uh, I'll be at the uh, M365 Collaboration Conference in Las Vegas as well. That will be my first conference since early April 2020, right? I haven't been to any since then. Um, I literally just booked my flights earlier this week to, to Vegas. Oh. for. So um, I am looking forward to that. I am, uh, personal opinion, I'm tired of virtual conferences. Um, they're not as effective, I find, because it's too easy to multitask. And in multitasking, you don't pay as much attention to it, right? It's not like I'm in another place and I need to take this time because I'm in a physical room with people. And I can't also be doing email and also chatting with other people. Um, so I do think there will be a return to in-person conferences. I'm hoping so, because I think people learn better. And the connections that you make there are important. Like I, I don't know about you, but I went to every single Microsoft Ignite. I went to many of the SharePoint conferences before that. Um, and I loved Ignite. I love going to Ignite mostly because the people that you get to connect to with, sorry, Absolutely. the people you connect with, the connections you make, the relationships you build out of that, that, you know, sometimes they translate into projects and sometimes they don't, but it's still nice to have those connections and be able to, you know, talk with people like this and, you know, paying ideas off of people. Um, so I do hope we return to in-person conferences uh, like we did before. Um, you know, I miss going to MVP Summit, for example. Uh, I love going to this to the Redmond Bellevue area. There was always a wonderful feeling for me about going to the Microsoft campus. So I'm hoping that that comes back in person too. You and me both. You yeah. and me both. Um, are you guys a part of the content services uh, group within Microsoft? We are, absolutely. Uh, we were part of the original group. Um, that team was kind enough to invite me to the original, uh, to be one of the original charter partners. Um, we're one of the preferred members of the content services group. Um, so I think we've got a virtual, some virtual sessions coming up with them in a week or two, I want to say. Um, but I'm hoping that we get together in person with them as well. That's for sure. Yeah, originally it was going to be, um, gosh, what was it? Originally it was going to be in person. That's right. That's right. And they postponed that, but I think it's still going to be, I think there's still some remote sessions, virtual sessions coming up. I'm not positive on that one. Yeah, but, I was looking forward to going up there to your point. But that's been a great group to be part of, right? Like it, it allowed us to directly talk to the product team around the content services capabilities in SharePoint, which I find SharePoint is becoming more of a background service to many of the other capabilities in M365, like Teams, right? Like you store files in, in a team, they're stored in a SharePoint site. That's what I mean by a background service. I think there's more of that happening. But the content services capabilities directly affect how we work with our documents, how we work with lists, how we get at different versions, right? How we manage our information. Um, so it was great being able to hear from that product team directly, be able to give them feedback directly, seeing that feedback actually turn into stuff that was really nice too, like seeing the impact of that feedback. Um, and then we got great solutions coming out of that group like SharePoint Syntax, like Viva Topics, right? These are two initiatives and now products that came directly out of that content services program. Um, so, you know, kudos to the Microsoft team for starting up that program and having us be part of it. I think that was a great way to, to connect with them. Um, it wasn't a massive conference. It was a smaller 
tight-knit group. So I think you felt like you had a bit more of a voice in there than other places. Yeah. Well, Antonio, this has been super fun catching up with you today. Uh, this podcast will be available actually through wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, everywhere from uh, the Apple Store, and we're also on Spotify as well. So uh, be sure to uh, download it there. Um, any parting words, Antonio? Um, I, I know I personally, for me, Q4 or you know, calendar year Q4 means companies are going to start. They, I've been talking to organizations for six months about moving their content and migrating it off their legacy platform onto either Microsoft 365 or another platform. And they're finally saying, all right, Jeff, we are ready to go. Yeah. So I'm ready to start, you know, moving companies. Um, anything you're looking forward to? Yeah, very similar. So um, I think some projects have happened during the pandemic and the lockdowns. Some organizations have taken the opportunity to, okay, we're locked down, we're working remotely. Let's take this opportunity to move our content. Others have been holding off. Um, I'm looking forward to those starting up. Um, we love working with the Zilio toolset, so we've used it to do several uh, migrations here in Canada and elsewhere in the world. Um, so personally, I love working with your tools, your, your migration capabilities, um, and looking forward to several of those projects starting up. Um, like I'm looking forward to when, you know, we talk about digital transformation, right? I'm looking forward to these companies being transformed, to them getting there, to having their content in the cloud, having people work with it remotely, continue to work with it, uh, make use of the great capabilities that kind of the base level capabilities that are there, and then move to the higher level capabilities like Viva Topics, like Syntex, where we can kind of, I'll say, expedite our reasoning over this information, right? Like I love the capabilities that Viva Topics gives us in terms of helping us find knowledge, I love the capabilities that Syntex gives us in terms of extracting key metadata from documents and having that drive business processes. Um, I'm look, but 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 you need the content in M365 to really make use of those features. So, like you, I'm looking forward to kicking off those projects, getting the content into M365, and then helping customers take use of these higher level, sorry, make use of these higher level capabilities and uh, just gain all the benefits from it. So yeah, exciting times, I think, still. All right, Antonio. Uh, I really appreciate your time today. Super fun catching up. Look forward to seeing you in person and uh, gosh, about two months from right now. That's right. Yeah, no, thank you, Jeff. Um, thank you for having me on the podcast and uh, great to see you and to catch up. And yeah, look forward to catching up in Vegas. Thank you for listening to Your Content Connection, The Future of Work, and for sharing today's session. One more time, I'd like to give a big thank you to our guest, Antonio Mayo. As Jeff and Antonio mentioned today, events are moving from the virtual to the physical world. And if you're part of the Microsoft 365 community, you'll likely have the opportunity to meet them at an upcoming event. If you'd like to get in touch with Antonio or Jeff, we'd love to speak with you. Please reach out via email at sales at or contact us via our website, www.zilio.com. And keep an eye out for our next podcast coming soon.